week, we are going to continue our series, uh, our legend series on the seven sayings from the cross. Last week, Lauren talked about forgiveness and touched on the idea of prayer as part of forgiveness and how amazing it is to have a Savior who is praying for our forgiveness, who's praying to forgive us, right? Like how amazing that is. And this week, we're going to take that idea of forgiveness and just see what it looks like in action. We're going to see forgiveness in a tangible way. And for Jesus, that tangible means of forgiveness is salvation. So we're going to look at Jesus' next saying. Now, to set the scene for where we are, the Garden of Gethsemane, which you talked about two weeks ago, um, happened the night before this event happens. So Jesus probably didn't get sleep that night, kind of one of the events of everything that's just gone straight through, was arrested in the garden, taken to the Sanhedrin, which was the kind of high council, uh, was had a trial there, was then ping-ponged over to Rome, over to Pontius Pilate, where Pontius Pilate couldn't really find anything to convict Jesus for. So Jesus kind of bounces back and forth between Rome and the Sanhedrin for a while. He gets beaten. He loses a popularity contest. Basically, in the end, they come up to, all right, we, Rome doesn't really want to do anything with Jesus. Because they kind of worry and might cause a riot, so they leave it up to the people. Do you want to free Barabbas or Jesus? People choose Barabbas. Jesus ends up going to the cross. He carries the cross up the hill, is put up on it. On either side of him are two criminals. We don't really know much of their backstory at all. We just know there are two criminals there with him. And at this point, Jesus has been on the cross probably for a few hours. So that's just kind of bringing us up to starting here in 23, starting in verse 39. One of the criminals, hanging next to Jesus, insulted him. Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. Now, this is, as you can probably tell from the context, not an earnest request. This is not someone believing that Jesus is the Christ. Like, hey, come on, come on, save me. Save me, let's do it. If you kind of follow the trend of the story, previously, the onlookers had mocked Jesus, saying, he saved others, let him save himself, if he is the chosen one. Later, a little bit later, the soldiers mock Jesus. If you are really the king of the Jews, save yourself. So the idea being, they're being sarcastic. And this criminal is joining in, and they're, they're, they're sarcastic. They're not really believing Jesus is the Christ. They're kind of making fun of him. Well, if you are, you, you would do this, right? Now, most of you know I was out of town last week, and so did a lot of flying. So I had a lot of podcast time to listen to. And one of the podcasts I listen to is called Confessions of the Idiot. It is just a bunch of Australian comedians who scour Reddit for online confessions and basically read them and make fun of how ridiculous some of them are. One of them that I, that I listened to was a guy who decided his life was extremely boring. And so to liven up his life, he tells his co-workers he's won a lot. He has a mansion, he has a new Porsche, but that, you know, he, he, just, he just doesn't want to get bored, so he's going to keep working where he is now. Apparently this goes on for years, him just spinning the story. And eventually, some of the co-workers go to his wife, who knows nothing about this, and get an invite over to dinner. Now, his story was just, oh, what am I going to do? Like, how am I going to, do I come clean now? Do I wait till they show up? Like, how, how do I deal with this? 
Everyone out on the podcast, all Canadians, and myself included, were kind of of the same mindset. Everyone knew. They knew we had a lotto. So all of the questions they were asking, oh, tell us, tell us about your Porsche. What, how, how fast does it go? What, what color is it? Like, oh, then that has to be a, a tax nightmare, right? Like all of these questions, they're making fun of the guy. They're, they're, they know he hasn't won the lotto. They're mocking him. It's kind of what is going on here. Well, in this case, they think they know that he's not the Christ. They're mocking him for it. As we'll see, you know, coming up, we know that he is. This is kind of what they're going on. They're keeping on it. So they're mocking. They're, they're having fun at his expense. Even the criminal, who is in the same position as him, is having fun at Jesus' expense. Oh, okay. Yeah. They're, they're mocking. <laughs> as we move on, verse 40. Responding other criminals spoke harshly to him. Don't you fear God, seeing as you've been sentenced to die? We are rightly condemned, for we are receiving the appropriate sentence for what we did. But this man has done nothing wrong. There's a couple things interesting here. First, I love just how sassy this guy is. Like, the first thing he says is, bro, you're in the exact same position as the guy you're making fun of. Like, do you not realize this? You're making fun of someone... You're in the same spot. You're dying right along with him. So, first off, I kind of love that. But, notice his acknowledgement of guilt. He's not trying to hide from it, not trying to run from it. He accepts, you know what? I, I did wrong. I tried to beat the system, and I lost. He just accepts his punishment. That's a big step, just not trying to hide, not trying to look well, I didn't really do anything wrong. He admits, I did wrong. I got caught. This, this, is, this is how it is. But he also knows Jesus is innocent. Now, the thing I want to know is, how? Is the criminal underworld of first century Jerusalem so small that he knows Jesus is a part of it? We don't know. Is it how Jesus acted on the cross? Or because they've been up there for hours now. Did something Jesus said or did let him know? Does he have any prior knowledge of Jesus? Had he seen Jesus teach before? Seen him do a miracle before? We have no idea. The text doesn't tell us. But somehow he knows Jesus is innocent. This man has done nothing. And it goes a little further. Not only that, he says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. So not only does this person know Jesus is innocent, this person seems to genuinely think Jesus is the Messiah. Again, how? Had he seen him teach before? Something he said on the cross. We, we have no idea. I really wish we would get given more information here. We don't know how. But somehow, this other criminal, the person next to Jesus, knows he's the Messiah. Believes he's the Messiah. And asks to be remembered. I think it's interesting that he doesn't ask to be saved. He doesn't make a genuine request to, I believe you're the Messiah. 
you could save us. He doesn't even ask for eternal salvation. He doesn't ask, you know, save my soul. He just asks to be redeemed. He just asks that you come into your kingdom, remember. I might argue this is one of the most faith-filled statements in the entire Bible. You put all of Paul, all that stuff in. I, I think this could be in contention for that. You have someone at the end of their life who we have no knowledge, no understanding of how this person knows, but they seem to know Jesus is the Messiah and just simply ask to be remembered. I think that's amazingly powerful. And I think it's interesting that he only has to be remembered. Potentially, because he feels like he's done too much wrong. Because he admits, I've done a lot of wrong. I'm getting my just punishment. Generally, crucifixion was saved for the absolute worst of the worst. Rome didn't just crucify anyone. You know, a common criminal would be executed in some other way. People that were hanged were to make a statement. So this person had obviously done something really, really wrong in the eyes of Rome. They were a really, really bad dude. So maybe in their hearts, they thought, I, I've done too much. I can't be saved. I can't be redeemed. Can you at least remember? But how does Jesus take this? Jesus replied, I assure you that today, he will be with me in paradise. Not only does Jesus say, I'm going to remember you, Jesus says, you're going to be with me today. We're going to be together. And not here. We're going to be together in paradise. This is Jesus' tangible act of forgiveness. Lauren talked about forgiveness last week. This is forgiveness on display in its pinnacle moment. Think about it. What is Jesus doing? Jesus is on the cross. Why is Jesus there? For, for our sins. For my sins. For all of your sins. For everyone's sins. Including the people on either side of me. Including the person asking, please remember me. So in the absolute lowest moment in Jesus' life, he is emotionally, physically, spiritually spent. He is in pain. He's tangibly feeling the wounds that, that we read about earlier, right? He was wounded for our, our transgression, or wounded for our, our transgression, all that. This is happening to him in this moment. And he can still look at someone who is the reason he's there, forgive them, and offer them salvation. Just think about that. Forgiving someone in the actual Moments of his pain. Tangibly forgiving them in the moment of his pain. So, like I mentioned a couple weeks ago, Christian and I are doing a Lord of the Rings rewatch. So, get ready for a lot of Lord of the Rings examples in the next couple weeks. But this made me kind of think of Frodo and Weather Time. So, quick recap um, this is early in the story, early in the first book. Um, they're, the Hobbits are running away. Uh, they go to Weather Tower, the, the watchtower of Hollandsur, 
they're camping out there, the black riders, are, they're creeping around and trying to find them. Frodo goes to sleep. The other three hobbits decide, we're real hungry. So they light a fire and cook some sausage and some bacon and some toast and such. The fire draws the black riders in because they're on a watchtower with a giant fire on it. So of course, this is going to be seen from everywhere. Big battle ensues and such. During this battle, Frodo gets stabbed by the Witch King of Angmar. Gets a stab here. Eventually he gets, you know, hanging out on he's healed, everything's fine. Fast forward to the very end of the book, last chapter, Frodo's reflecting that it's been years since he was stabbed at Brother Tom. He still has the skull. And in the mornings, it still aches when he wakes up, his shoulder. Now this is me imparting myself into Frodo. Every time I saw that scar, every morning when I woke up and like my shoulder was sore and hurt, I would have in my head, oh, that bacon was worth it, Sam. Was that sausage delicious? Was, was that breakfast real nice? That would be me. And that's years afterwards, just reflecting back. But Jesus, in the moment of his pain, is forgiving, is offering salvation, is tangibly reaching out. That's interesting. Arguably, this criminal, the one that Jesus talks to here, I think you could say is maybe the first Christian. They are the first person to receive salvation from the cross. Most of they had zero chance to earn it. Right? They're, they're on the cross. They're, they can't do anything to earn salvation. They can't do anything to earn this forgiveness. Their, their life is about to end. But notice, Jesus says, I assure you that today you will be with me in paradise. Today. Nothing this person could do to earn this forgiveness. Jesus freely gave it. There's no kind of, well, you have to go, you can't pay for it now, but you have to pay for it maybe in the afterlife. You have to do something, you have to do something there, then maybe you'll come with me to paradise. That was today. Instantly. Freely given. Honestly, I can't think of a better example of grace, of forgiveness. In this way, than this seemingly small moment. So, what does this moment say for us? What does this have relate or show us about Christ? Oh, the same salvation, the same grace, the same forgiveness that was shown to this criminal is shown to us. And so, it's freely given to us. There's nothing we can do to earn it. We can't be the best person ever, be good enough to earn it, because we couldn't. And also that means there's nothing we can do to lose it. We can't be so bad. There's nothing we can do so horrendous that Jesus is going to be like, no, I'm, I'm going to take that back. Absolutely not. Uh, that, that's one step too far. We can't. It is freely given. He said being crucified was the worst possible thing that could be done to someone at that time. That was reserved for the worst of the worst. This person was the worst of the worst. And they were given for the salvation. They were just given it. Another thing to notice here is Jesus promises this salvation. So 
translations are weird. Like this one will say, you know, I say to you. Sometimes you'll see it verily or truly or something like that. I actually like the way the Jewish English Bible translates this. This is just, I promise you, today. Jesus promises us his salvation. The Jesus was at creation. The Jesus who did all those miracles, the Jesus who died, raised up, come again, promises that we will be Promises us this salvation. There's one last thing, I think. It's worth noting here. This criminal, this man, doesn't suddenly receive the salvation and then everything's okay. He's still on the cross. He's still dying. His life doesn't suddenly become lollipops, happiness. But he's not suffering alone. He's now united with Christ. Suffering with Jesus. There's something this person's looking for. I think sometimes we have this idea that when we become Christian, we have Christ in our lives, everything's going to be perfect. And then we get really upset that it's not. Now, Jesus promises a lot of things, but notice this promise is not your life's going to be great, your life's going to be perfect, nothing's going to go wrong. I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. That's our promise. Is that we will be with Jesus. We will be in paradise. I think that's an important thing to note here. That life, this world, is a world of sin. This is a fallen world. It's our, our job to partner with God to try to reconcile it. But everything is not always going to 